Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Good morning, Eastlake. Thank you to those of you who are joining us in person and online. And in either of those contexts, you might be wondering, who are you? <laughs> That's fair, because uh, Brent Johnson, the teaching pastor at our church, is out of town this week. And so I am Anna Plemons, and I'm very happy to be here. Uh, if it is your first time, I just would ask that you plan for a second date. Come back next week. All will be as it is supposed to be, and Brent will be back, and that will be good. So uh, when Brent asked if I would speak this morning, I said yes for two reasons. First, I actually really enjoyed doing this, so I was happy to say yes. But my secondary reason, which closely followed the first, is that I'm super awkward in the lobby. And I figured if I had a chance to tell you all that, well, I can't actually see any of you because it's dark. I could just confess to you that I'm super awkward in the lobby. And now you know. And so if you would like to take pity on me and say hi, um, I would really appreciate that. So thank you, Brent, for the chance to talk about my shortcomings um, with a blinding light in my face. So uh, this is week one of a three-week series, What Gets Left Behind, a series on legacy. And really the idea here is we want to ask, you know, what when we leave a room, when we leave a job, when we leave a town, what what are we leaving behind and does it matter? So before we jump in, there were a couple things I just kind of wanted to frame for us. And I think when we're Talking about legacy, for a lot of us, there's there's real pain in our stories, right? So the idea of like, oh gosh, legacy, I just worry for a good reason that could really take some of us like back to trauma or just back to like a really hard place or just paralyzing fear or guilt or all these kinds of things. And so I would ask that for the next three weeks that um, you just like sit with this topic in all of the grace that God has for you. And if you're wondering, well, what might that feel like? I have an idea. Have you ever, because uh, this is my favorite thing, taken a load of um, towel, like towels or sheets or sweats or something out of the dryer and then just like dumped it on yourself? Am I the only one? Anyone? Okay. If you haven't, you're welcome. So put that in your put that on your note sheet, right? Um, it's completely awesome, right? Because you're just laying there and it's just it's warm and it's cozy and it's clean and it feels good and it's like radiant heat. Uh, and then I was thinking this week well, what if you do your laundry at the laundromat? I think this is still possible because there's folding tables, I'm pretty sure. So I think everyone should try. Uh, but in this context, I just, I really hope that that's what God's grace feels like to you as we kind of sit with this idea of who are we and what are we trying to be and all of that. Um, I just, I hope that you can enter that from a space of deep, deep grace, which feels like um, cozy hot laundry on top of you. All right. Second, uh, some of you, maybe all of you, have come this morning feeling pretty tired or out of gas. And I really under, I understand that this in my current season of life, true story, at least once a week, I find myself like hiding in a corner of the house or more likely sitting behind a steering wheel at a kid event in a parking lot, waiting for somebody to get out of a thing and just like crying tears of frustration or fatigue and just saying out loud, like, I cannot do anything else. I cannot. Right. So if that, if that resonates with you this morning, if that's your spot too, then I just would ask that you keep breathing. I promise you in the next 20-ish minutes, there's nothing here that's going to ask you to do more or try harder or be better uh, because 
we just if you're like me you're like that's not on it's not on the that's not on the menu of options right for right now so um hang tight and lastly i would like to propose that we are creating legacies whether we mean to or not right so a couple of years ago maybe a lot so josie plemons the youngest of the plemons lineup we were talking about legacy and she said brilliantly leaving a legacy is a requirement on the rubric of life that's just like an awesome kid perspective on uh, public education. So, uh, leave the legacy requirement. And I was like, yeah, that I'm going to write that down. Cause that actually does feel true. There's no getting out of it, right? Like you are leaving, um, a legacy on the local economy, on the landfill, right? On the neighborhood. Uh, there's, we are all making an impact, but I also think it's important for us as we kind of enter this three week journey together to think about the fact that, uh, your legacy might be small and that might be on purpose, right? Maybe sustainability is your jam and you really are trying to, you're like, man, I'm trying to make my footprint as small as possible, right? Or perhaps those who have come before you have left a scar on the land and you can see, you see that your job is to repair or restore. And you're just like, I'm just trying to get us back to zero, right? Like if my legacy gets us back to zero, that's going to be great. And I think that's an important thing for us to kind of think about and frame as we spend this time together. Uh, and I want us to push back on this idea that bigger is better, not necessarily, right? And so even though we are all leaving a legacy and there's no getting around it, there I don't want us to think about our legacies in comparison to one another because I don't think that's productive at all. All right, so here we go. So this last summer, my family and I had the chance to visit the final resting place of one of my spiritual, all-time spiritual heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so we were in Atlanta actually to catch a flight, but we're like, we are going to the King Center. Like we are going to pay our respects. And it was a really, it was a really special, really important moment for me because when I think about legacy, I think of Dr. King every time, right? You take somebody who really applied the teachings of Jesus in the exact moment in which they were living and met injustice and brokenness with power and effect. I'm like, wow, that's that's how you do it. If you're like, hey, what would, you know, what would Jesus do right now? Like, well, there you go. That's, that's a pretty good uh, model to look at. And so, um, yeah, he's an important spiritual hero for me. And so when my kids were little, we had this CD, King for Kids, and it was sermons that had been kind of abridged to make them appropriate for kids. I couldn't find it on the internet this week, which feels weird to me because like, what, what does the internet not provide? King for Kids. I don't know. I couldn't find it, but it's awesome. So, uh, find it. If you have kids, it's pretty cool. We enjoyed uh, listening to that growing up. And so one of the sermons, the three dimension is called the three dimensions of a complete life. And that text is easy to find out that you can find the text in the internet. And I hope that you will do, uh, because I want us to use Dr. King's framework this morning to kind of think through a few things, but I worry for good reason about trying to think about using a text from, from somebody who had such important things to say to like us as Christians and us as a society. And I, uh, worry about maybe taking the easier parts and leaving the harder stuff behind. And so I was kind of um, tied up and not thought this week, but the solution is uh, go check out the original text and we'll use the framework and we'll see what we can learn together. So this idea of life being multidimensional, I think makes sense to us. We already know about that. You will say things like, oh yeah, that person over there, amazing, brilliant entrepreneur, like pretty lousy parent, right? Like, oh, that person over there, man, they give you the shirt off their back, but like they can't really hold a job, right? We understand that it's very possible for us that there's multi-dimensions and we can be pretty great in one area and not so great in another. And, um, but Dr. King suggested there's three dimensions to life and we're going to look at them. So length, breadth, and height. And so the first one, the length of life is the inward concern for one's own welfare. And Really, uh, when Dr. King talks about the length of life, he's really talking about 
in his own words, developing our own inner power. And I feel like that that probably sounds like a weird thing to say in church, but really the the idea here is that it's going to be pretty hard to love others well when we don't love ourselves, right? Like the, it is appropriate for us to kind of think about um, what's the role of us kind of giving grace to ourselves, accepting ourselves, providing care for ourselves as we think about how we want to then interact with the world. Um, and and I think it's also important to note when Dr. King wrote this, he was speaking directly to Black Americans who um, in that moment, and not to historicize this, right, because things are still going on, but he was actually speaking in that moment to folks who were considering kind of um, how to be in a society that wasn't even honoring their base, basic humanity, right? So if we think about... Um, bus boycotts or lunch counter sit-ins. Yeah, those are those are strategic kind of moves to try to to get to economic or um, legal equality. But really also, they're just a demonstration and a demand to be recognized at a basic human level, right? Those are folks who are saying, you know what, actually, uh, I am going to think about the fact that I uh, it is okay for me to be concerned with my own welfare. It's okay for me to stand up for really my, my own needs and for um, basic dignity and self-respect. And so that is the length of life. Uh, Dr. King also said that there is such a thing as rational and healthy self-interest. And I think that's important for us to note because the Bible says that about us, right? The Bible says that uh, we are, every one of us, cherished, fully known, children of God, wonderfully made in his own image. And that might not be a message that you're getting in the outside world, but that is that is how God feels about you, right? And it is a- appropriate to um, have some rational and healthy self-interest. And really, the reason that has to kind of come first or be part of be part of the dimensions of our life is that if we are going to figure out like who we are in the world and what we're called to do, we're going to have to come to some acceptance of the tools that we have, and then also the tools that we don't, right? To so really come to a place where like, okay, what? What do I have here um, and what can I do with what I have here and how can I be okay with me? How can I say like, yep, this is me. I'm going for it. Um, I accept who I am. And uh, so, yes, that all kind of comes before we're able to discover what we are called to do. And I, when we think about calling, I want us to think about it a little more expansively, not necessarily just your job, but really like what are you called to do? And so I want to tell you about a season in my life uh, I when I... When our kids were little, I was home full time for a couple of years. And I really felt like in that season, it was, I was called to just try to like make other folks who were also parenting feel okay about it. It felt like, it felt stressful. It felt like this high stakes endeavor. I mean, it's, it's like fun and cute, but it also just felt hard. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to show up in a non-competitive way and just like try to make folks feel, um, feel good about what they're up to. And um, I have to tell you that I was completely awesome at it because... People would like see me yelling at my kids in Walmart, right? Or like turning my sleeve inside out to like wipe the snot off of their nose. And then they would feel better about what they're doing. So uh, I was very, very good at what I had set out to do. Um, not even joking. There was this one mom at preschool every time I'd show up and like it just, it was hard to get there. It was just hard, right? And I'd, I'd show up and, and she would like lean in and she would say, I just love you. I was like, I think we know. I think we know that what you mean by that is you show up so that to make sure that I show up so that you'll feel good about uh, how you're showing up. And that's fine. Like parenting's hard and I'm happy to have provided that service for that particular mom. And I have to tell you, 
uh, if you will, let me tell you a quick story about the day that like this day I made her feel great. This is like the day that I made her feel so great about her parenting. And this is a long time ago, but like I'm still talking about this story because I still can't even believe it happened. And clearly I'm not over it. Um, so we so we have a bunch of kids. I told you that part. Right. So I quit my my job where we cut the household income in half. We're trying to figure it out. Like I'm driving that late model minivan and the little people are here. And um, and so and I'm pregnant with our third kid, and and my cousin sends me very graciously sends me a couple boxes of like secondhand maternity clothes. That is super nice of her. She hadn't had babies in a while. Like they're not really up to date clothes, and, but they're the ones I have, and I'm wearing them. And um, two of my faves were there were two velour maternity tracksuits in the box, and uh, you might see where this is going. So that's pretty much what I'm wearing. There was a black one and kind of a beige one. Just just you're welcome. And uh, and also, I'm pulling my clothes out of the dryer, putting them on my body and going, right? Like, I'm, I didn't, like, put the laundry in the drawers or whatever. There's a lot. There's a lot that's not maybe going right. So I have a velour tracksuit on. I'm headed into this preschool event. I'm, I've been at this event for a while. Like, this is a true story. I'm there. I've been there. I'm feeling pretty good. Everybody's shoes are on. We're good. I haven't yelled at anyone. And somebody comes up and starts pulling something off of my back, like, pulling, right? Yes. It was a pair of underwear that... Uh, I was just wearing a pair of underwear on the back. I had been there for a while. I had like dressed myself, dressed the people, whatever, got in the car, seatbelt, drove in all the way into the place, at the place for a while. And this kind soul, you know, everybody saw, I mean, you know, everybody knew it was there, right? Anyway, I, like I said, I'm not over it. I'm still processing this. It's the truth. It is a true story. Um, so yeah, so sometimes our legacy in life is just to make others feel good by living life the best we can. Okay, but all joking aside, to get us back on track, I do believe that we can discover what we are made for and that we can do whatever it is we're doing to the best of our God-given abilities. And so uh, because I just think it's, it's uh, I just want us to hear, from, hear, from, hear this in his own voice. We actually have an audio clip of Dr. Kim from this section of the sermon. What I'm saying to you this morning, my friend, even if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, Going out in sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of the reel. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. It isn't by size that you win or you lose. Be the best of whatever you are. Uh, I love that. Before we move on to the breath of life, I want us to look together at Psalm 23. And as I mentioned a couple times already, I probably mentioned it six more times, like I feel a little overwhelmed in my current season of life. And so I've been going to Psalm 23 for comfort a lot. And you think like, well, that's pretty cliched. Like we already know that one. I know you already probably know that one, but there's reason it's so well known, right? There's, there's some goodness here for us. So Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. All right, so I do love this, and I've been reading it a lot lately. And what I really noticed after thinking about the context of legacy and the, the conversation I knew that we'd be having this morning is I noticed that the psalmist suggests that he lacks nothing, right? Uh, he has accepted what he has. He's accepted where he is. He's accepted that those things are good, and they're good because God himself is his shepherd. And he also claims that his good shepherd refreshes his soul, that his interior life is cared for, that he's being guided on a right path and that he can proceed without fear, that he gets what he needs despite opposition, finds honor, lives with abundance. In sum, the length of his life, his rational and healthy self-interest in his own well-being is in good hands. So I think this leads us to two questions, which we'll kind of recycle for each section. Uh, and I think they're good ones, right? First, do we believe that God is trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? Can he be trusted? And if he can, if you're like, oh yeah, I totally believe that God can be trusted, then I think the question for us today is how can we trust him more deeply with the length of our lives, right? Like, where's the place where you're like, well, I mean, I said I trust him, but I don't know, man, like, is he going to provide, right? Like, will I be cared for? Will my needs be met? And I think that's the question that um, I would like us to think about a little bit. All right. So the breadth of life is the outward concern for the welfare of others. And here, if we're kind of thinking about this, how Dr. King was thinking about this, it's less about like benevolence and charity and more really about, okay, how are you going to live in community, right? Um, what are you, how are you thinking about your neighbor and how are you thinking about interconnectedness of humans? Uh, a quote that you've probably seen before says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. What affects one directly affects all indirectly. And so Dr. King wrote this from uh, letter, fam very famously, Letters from a Birmingham Jail. And I think that's a big thing to say, and it can be an overwhelming thing for us to hear. But I think I want us to hear in this, not like a panicked frenzy of, you know, responding on social media, right? This isn't, this isn't, um, this, this shouldn't feel heavy to us in the sense of like, oh gosh, I need to fight a million fights, but this should feel appropriately heavy to us in the sense of, oh, let me think about that, right? Like, am I connected to those around me? In what ways? What is my responsibility to those around me? And how am I, how am I, I need to think differently about it? Um, and really, if you look at Dr. King's life, uh, when he, the injustice that he was working against, like had a clear strategy, moved with focus and strategy, moved in community, right? So this isn't a panic frenzy of responding on uh, social media every time something kind of bugs you, right? But really thinking very, very methodically, very purposefully about how we organize our relationship to other people. So I think what we can see here is that we can live with our neighbor in mind and be open to a lifetime of letting God continually expand the definition of what we mean when we say neighbor, right? And Psalm 23 tells us something about the character of God that I think makes this idea a little easier to implement. 
So uh, during one of the times earlier this year when I was rereading Psalm 23, I happily misinterpreted the first half of verse 6. So it reads, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And so when I read it, what happened in my brain, because my brain kind of thinks in pictures, right? I was like, oh, so I'm going through my life and what's following along behind me, the trail of the effect of my life, it is if it was goodness and love, like how awesome would that truly be, right? The same way you have a boat that's moving up river and it's kind of cutting this wake and it's sending ripples towards both shores. And what if the whole kind of uh, the way that you disrupt the status quo, the, quo, the way to, that you're disrupting whatever's kind of still water um, is with this idea of extra goodness and love and mercy. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty awesome. And that makes good sense to me, right? Because even though I do love calm water, if I'm paddle boarding, right? Like I, I'm definitely for calm water, but sometimes still water isn't good, right? You think about the Columbia River at the end of summer and the little nooks and crannies where uh, it's kind of stinky, kind of stagnant. You're like, okay, yeah, there's maybe something here. And if we're moving through space and we're disrupting, are we disrupting with love and just in mercy and justice? And so it's something for us to think about. Um, but I was wrong, right? So her- hermeneutically, I had it incorrect, right? This isn't that. This isn't about my legacy, um, really. In this, in the Hebrew here, God is. It's really talking about God pursuing us with His love and mercy. Like He's just like, I got more for you. I got more for you. I'm, I got, you know, here's another load, right? And so He's He's actively pursuing us with with love and goodness and mercy. And so I was like, oh shoot, I kind of got it wrong. But I was like, but did I though, right? And so uh, because really, I think the idea here is. If God is relentlessly pursuing us with goodness and love, then clearly we have enough, right, to gener- to live generously with our neighbor. Clearly we have enough. So, again, with the word pictures, because this, welcome to the inside of my brain. It's welcome to my brain day, right? So uh, I think if we picture here, if we picture God as a, a water spigot, you turn the spigot on, outflows love and goodness into my garden patch. Uh, but it might actually flood it, right? Because it's not just intended for me. But what if I attach a soaker hose to that spigot, right? What happens? My garden gets watered, but what else happens? I can't see you, so you have to talk out loud, right? My neighbor's garden gets watered, right? So there's water for me, all is good. There's water for the next person too. And in this word picture, if you kind of go with me for a second, my job is simply to be the conduit I don't have to worry about the water source, right? I don't have to worry if my neighbor's like using his resources well, right? Like my job was simply attached to the spigot, grow beautiful things, make sure there's water for the next person. And I think there might be something there for for us to unpack a little bit. Um, In Matthew 10, Jesus is giving his disciples some instructions before sending them out. And he says, freely you have received, freely give. Admittedly, it's also the same passage where he talks about being wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And so there's more to unpack there than we can do today. And we'll see if I get invited back or not. But um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But I do think, and um, in the next slide, our concern for the welfare of others flows out of the deep well of God's goodness and love towards us. We don't fabricate it. We don't make it from scratch. We simply share it. And we can do so generously because we know that the same God who cares about our neighbor is also caring for us. There's no zero-sum logic to God's love. It doesn't run out, so we don't have to ration it. All right, so then I think here's here's the questions that I want us to sit with, and they might look easy on the surface, but I think they're pretty hard, and I would love to see us develop this practice as a, a community. So three questions. At the most practical level, this idea of 
loving our neighbor or starting to imagine ourselves as truly being in community and having the resources we need to do that work, already having the resources we need to do that work well. I think we can listen and believe people when they tell us things that our lived experience has not prepared us to understand. Have you been in one of those conversations? They can be a little hard, right? You're like, well, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't connect with my life experience. Possible, right? There are things, people can tell us things that our own lived experiences haven't prepared us to understand, but we can listen and believe them when they talk to us. All right. We can choose not to be defensive when our neighbors tell us about how our ways of living have come at their expense. That one's, have you been in that conversation? That's a really hard one, right? But, uh, but we can choose not to be defensive. We can choose to listen to people and we can choose to believe them and we can choose to hear. And lastly, we can let what we learn through this listening reshape some of our patterns of mind and ways of being. And that might take a minute and that's okay. Like, like we're people on a road, we're, we're under a pile of um, wondrous grace, right? Uh, but, but I do think these are questions that we need to ask if we want to be people who, for whom the breadth of our life um, has real rich and productive connection with our neighbor. All right, so back to our questions. Can God be trusted? Can he? And if so, can you trust? Can we trust him with the breadth of our life? All right, so the last uh, dimension of life is the height of life, which Dr. King tells would say to us is the upward reach for God. And I really, I love this use of language because when I think about the upward reach for God, I kind of picture... I guess us or me, whoever, the the human in that um, word picture, you know, like a a chubby little rosy cheeked baby first thing in the morning, right? In the morning light and and they have their arms up and they expect that you're going to pick them up. And you do, of course, because who wouldn't, right? I mean, maybe if it's like 4.30, but there's no sunlight. Well, the summer there is, but you're tracking, right? So, uh, so yeah, I I love this idea of the, the upward reach for God that really he's already reaching down right? That part's handled, right? The question is, do we reach up? Or if babies aren't a jam, you could also think about how this might look in nature. Uh, like if you think about a field of sunflowers, right? You're driving by and you can, you drive by in the morning, you drive by midday, you drive by again later, and you see that the sunflowers have tracked all day long. They're tracking in the sun, right? Like this upward reach for God, this kind of orientation towards um, towards God, a general looking up from the the busyness and the din of the lives around, our lives around us. So, when we reach up, we bring a third dimension to our lives that supercharges our reasonable care for ourselves and our earnest concern for our neighbor. And all three of these dimensions work together, and we find that although we will always be imperfect, we're whole, right? Or we're finally home, home in our own skin, home in our neighborhood, kind of um, home in our spiritual journey. And the final verse of Psalm 23 closes with the psalmist reflecting on the closeness that he feels to his creator and the security that that closeness brings. And it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And although I love Psalm 23, this probably has been the the verse that I've connected with the least because I always kind of imagine he's talking about heaven and and I'm, and I'm sure heaven is um, awesome, but in my current state of life, it's not something that I, like I connect to really deeply, right? Like I got kids at home and they're hungry. And so I'm kind of like, it's very much living in a very now-ish state of, of my own life. And so I'm like, oh, okay, heaven, I don't know. It doesn't really, doesn't really hold an appeal for me, but I do understand and can, can totally connect with this like near desperate desire to, um, 
be connected to God in my daily life because it does feel overwhelming to me. And I'm like, oh man, I just want to like, I can't do this alone. In the same way that I can't do more, I also just very deeply feel like I cannot do this alone, right? So then I think we're back to, we're back to our questions, right? Can we trust God more deeply with the concerns that we have for ourselves and our individual futures? Because it's okay to be concerned about yourself and your future. That's all right. Um, can we trust God for our relationships, our relationship to the hurting world that presses in against the bubble of our private lives, right? It's right there if you look for it. And can we trust God with the outcome of our spiritual journey? Can he be trusted with those things? So to close, I want to show you um, what I think more of God in our life might look like. And so I have props for this part. In the first service, like I dropped the mic, it was a whole thing. So we'll see. You weren't here. You don't know. So I shouldn't have even told you that part. Uh, but it's already going. It's already going better. I put the bag back here instead of the ground. So we're doing all right. Uh, so this might be painful for you because I know your brackets busted, right? But I before all the brackets got busted, I was like, oh, it's March Madness. Let's talk about let's talk about how this might look like. So you know what this is, um, and then so these are both basketballs, right? materially similar but how are they different yeah this one's not probably it, it is three-dimensional right there's three dimensions to it but it's not very functional it's not really in a position to um do what it was meant to do this one is and what's the primary difference between the two air right i'm sorry i'm a teacher in real life so thanks for playing along because i can't see you and i'm like you don't really have to we didn't agree to these terms early on but um i really do appreciate it because this is this is how i do it okay yes this one is full of air right they both came from the factory neither ball is like trying harder back to this idea of i promise i'm not going to ask you for more there's no striving here there's no do better try harder there's simply a ball that has is filled with with air which is what's helping it to be what it's meant to be, right? And I think the same is true for us. More of God on the inside makes us more of who we were meant to be, right? And that's that's the big difference. And so when we think about our legacies and who we want to be and like where we're at now and where we're trying to go and how we want to be remembered, um, I think like this is this looks pretty good, right? It's three dimensional. It's useful but not in a way that, uh, in, in a way that, like, yeah, just like makes it more what it is meant to be. It's not trying hard, it's not doing whatever. So I think that then thus ends this section of the talk. But uh, I hope that you'll just take those questions with you, right? So can God be trusted? If so, can we trust him with our concern for ourselves? Can we trust him with our relationship to our neighbor? And can we let him work on us and as we think about who counts in that space and how we um how we come to relationship with those folks right like i said not talking about social media posts or goodwill drop-offs but like actually true living with those who god puts in our path and then can we trust him with our spiritual journey if we put our arms up will he pick us up and if at the end of the day you're not sure then that's that's like a big question right something that's worth exploring Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.